0: You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. You would remain standing on your feet with me for this reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, starting in verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Have a seat. Well, you look radiant today very radiant. I just want to welcome all of you. It is a pleasure to be able to worship God with you, and I am so glad that we can lift our voices up to God. That We can do so with people that are online and here in this space, and I just want you to know how valuable you are. We're glad that you're here. You know, when you when you love something, you want to learn everything you can about that someone or something, and it might sound a little weird, but because I enjoy walking, I try to soak up everything I can learn about walking. And I, and I mentioned to you that I, I learned the difference between trail and path. Now, for a long time, I just kind of thought of these as the same one and the same synonyms that were interchangeable. But as I thought about it, you know, when you think of what you describe of a path, I, I think about it as very clear. It's got edges. It's maybe even paved, like a bike path, and you know where you're going. You've got this path out ahead of you. And a trail, I thought of it more as kind of winding, maybe kind of hard to find, maybe thinner, maybe out in the woods somewhere difficult to find, and I think those things are true. But what really got my eyes and ears and mind thinking about this difference between trail and path is a difference in direction. Well think about it. A path extends outward ahead of you. It is where you are going. It's oriented toward the future. A path is prepared and weighed, made for you. A trail is a little different. A trail kind of follows along behind you. It can be, you know, finding a, a muddy boot print or a broken branch Or if you're in your kitchen, it's following the crumbs where your husband has walked all through the house, or kids, right? You see the trail, you see these evidences of where someone has been. And it's a different orientation. It's oriented of what you've left behind along the way. And when you think about those differences, it makes us maybe think about our lives a little different. You know, we just kind of, muddle along through our lives sometimes, not really paying much attention to what we're doing. Whether it's a good path that we're on, a harmful path, eh, we're just doing the next thing that we need to do. We're just on this path, making our journey along. And I I want us to, to think back to yet another person that I wanted you to imagine, this jet black hair, dark skin, dark eye person, who gave a message 3000 years ago, almost. Jeremiah from Anathoth. Do you remember this? I mentioned this recently about this Middle Eastern prophet standing and being given a word as he looked out over a valley, seeing mountains, and, and he was given this message. Stand at the crossroads, you know, the intersection where roads come together or where they divide and you're about to go different directions. Stand at the intersection and look ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way lies and walk in it. Because I think that gives us some idea of what we're about in our lives. There are moments where we do step back and evaluate where we are and where we are going. Now, there's something I didn't tell you about that verse. Did you read the whole verse? Did anybody go back and look at Jeremiah 6:16? There's another part of that verse. This beautiful one that I talk about wisdom and choosing your path. Here's what is said at the end of that verse. It's the response. It's what the people say. And what they say is, we will not walk in it. Ah, there's your answer. The answer is nope. I see the paths. I see what's out there. I see the good way. But no, that's not for me. That's not the way that I'm going to go. Now, the thing about God is that God is not threatened. He is open for comparison. He's open for competition. There are many paths that are out there, and I have invited you to think about those paths that are in your life, to think about the way that you're journeying in this life. God's not threatened. If you choose to follow and look at a guru, or think about a government, or some philosophy, or maybe even another religion, all of these paths are there for you to take a look at. Now, God's way is a little more obscure, It's a little less traveled. It's kind of harder to find, but it is a very good way that holds up to any other way. But you get the choice. If you want to travel this life in a rocket ship, you better have a lot of money, but you can do that. If you want to do it in a diesel truck, you can do that. If you want to do it in a 91 octane sports car, guzzling a vehicle, you can do that. Even an electric wizard machine, that takes you sp- fast down the road with no gas burned at all, that's up to you, the choice is yours. So maybe you've been thinking about the course that you're on. As we think about the difference between path and trail, I do invite you to look around on that trail. Look around and, and decide who else is on this path. You remember my image of the raging rhino? You've got this raging, charging rhino. And if you want to know the difference between a path or a trail, then just decide whether you would want to be in the path of a raging, charging rhino or to be in its trail. There's a difference, right? There's a significant difference in those two paths. And I want us to look around because in our lives, we might be caught up in destructive behaviors, addictions, things that distract us from the life around us where we're not really giving much thought at all to how we're living our life. And today, I want us to think about the purpose, to think about the goal, the orientation of the path that we're on, because we have that ability. We have cognitive powers that differentiates us from many other things that are on this planet. Like if you look at your dog, your dog is not sitting around thinking about, why am I here, really? Now, you might think that your dog is, because your dog's really smart. But our dogs, they're caught up in their environment. They care where the next meal is coming from. And they definitely are lovers and defenders. But they're not thinking about their existence any more than a crystal lake is thinking about its existence as it just does what it does. Reflect the sunshine. Reflect the beauty of the mountains or the sky in it. It just does what it does. But we, as humans, have a chance to be aware of our environment, to be able to ask questions about why I'm here and why I'm on this path. Whenever we moved to New Mexico, we learned many things. And one of the things that we learned about is ants. We got to experience a new kind of ant in New Mexico. We traded in fire ants from the South for these ants that infiltrate your house. And I took it upon myself to learn the ways of the ant and to talk to my neighbors and to see what they do to chase away the ants. And so I was trying to break their path and use different things. And I think I was doing a pretty good job. And then Donna comes along after several years and says, I think we need some professional help. It's like, well, what do you mean? I mean, if you just start paying me, then this will be professional help. I'm figuring this out. And what we learned is that there are ways of working with ants' path and progress that interrupt it. So whenever an ant is finding its trail, it will find food and then begin to lay down a pheromone, a scent, a smell. So that whenever another ant comes and finds that pheromone trail, it goes straight to the food and lays down its own pheromone trail. And before you know it, what do you have? you have a lot of ants. As so though this professional help helped us break this pheromone path and even give them some goodies to take back to their homeland that they can share with their ant kingdom and not come to visit our little kingdom. That little process is a feedback loop where the ant senses that pheromone trail and is able to find that path. And for us, that's what I'm wanting us to think about today, is our purpose. What is our focus, and where are we going? And I want to just lay it out there for you, because Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 what the point of our existence is about. Our point is about living a life of good works. We are people that are loved by God, created by God, and invited into this process of being loved by God and living like God by showing good works to others. That's our purpose. In fact, hear these words from Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. If you want to look along in your Bible, you can as well. I'm going to refer to several verses. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not the result of works so that no one can boast. For we are what he's made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. All right, what we find in this passage is what we're about, and I want to tell it to you in three ways, and it's going to be three ways of saying similar things, okay? The first one is this. We are God's masterpiece. Perhaps you've heard this before. In fact, These are passages that get heavily underlined in many Christians' Bibles. We are made by God. We are his masterpiece, created by the good works of God. And there's really no way I could overstate this point. It's easy to just slide past it. The point that you are made by God and loved by God is huge. Think about it. You, your name. Handcrafted by God, created in Christ. That is not a small point. It's very significant that you're alive. And you might say, well, you don't own my life. Uh, it's not all that great. No, no, no. I know we've all got things that we're dealing with, all things that we're suffering with, but the very fact that you have been given a life is no small thing. In fact, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians six nineteen. And also, in chapter 3, verse 16, that you're a temple of God. That what you do and who you are matters because God wants to live in you and dwell in you. That's incredible. Those of you that are parents, whether you've been an adoptive parent or a birth parent, you may know that deep love for something that you think you've created. It's a part of you. And you know, in only a small way, because our love as a parent for our child can't compare at all to the kind of love that God has for you. It's huge. In fact, if you've still got Ephesians open up, you could look to verse four, where you get a double mention of love, where out of God's great love, he loved you. Okay, well, you could just use love once, right, Paul? No, God's great love that he loved you. He's going to say it in as many ways as he possibly can. This extravagant mercy that God shows towards you, pouring out his grace and providing you his masterpiece with a place to live. You are God's good work. All right, that's the first one. The second one is similar, and you'll probably hear it. In verse 8 and also in verse 10, God's salvation or his relationship with us is something that he did, right? It is the result of of God's work, not the result of your work. We don't save ourselves. We don't enter into relationship with God by our good works, as Paul says. It's the result of God's good works. And what happens to us and how we live is it results in good works. So because of God's great work, we're able to do good. Now, now, I want you to think about that, because you didn't cause yourself to enter into this relationship with God. You didn't necessarily even initiate it. It's something that God initiated. It's the result of his work, and I think that's why a passage like this gets so well worn and underlined in a Christian's Bible to realize that we're saved by grace through faith, and this is not the result of works, because otherwise we'd be bragging about it. Yeah, I know God did his part, but have you noticed how good I've been lately? It's not the way it works. God's work enables us to actually be good and do good. All right, so summarizing so far, we are God's masterpiece, we are God's good work, and we're saved, we're brought into relationship with God By that good work in order to do good. Well, that brings us to the third thing, and you're going to probably hear some of the same words again said a little bit differently. If you look in verse 10, for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. The path of life that God has laid out, that has walked out for us, is a path of good works. Your created purpose is to live in the good works that God has already established in your life. It involves your effort and your choice. It is something that you get to choose. You get to be a part of this, being created and recreated in Christ Jesus for good works. It's like God is extending ahead of us this path, this journey that we can take of good works, where we partner with God in living our lives, walking this way of good works. All right, so we're created as God's purpose by his good works, saved by his good works, for the purpose of living in good works. Well, here I take a little turn because there are some things that kind of unfortunately get misunderstood by Christians from these these very verses, where humans will, will read these passages or others, and they'll say something that I know, honestly, they mean in the best sense, but it's got some inaccuracy in it, okay? And so I know that this is maybe something that I've said, and probably you have said, but I want us to think about it in a new way. We might say, as a Christian, and mean it in the best possible way, humans are no good. We're just no good. We're broken. We're, we're failures. We're flawed. We're not what we... We're not, We're bad. Humans are bad. And that's a little bit inaccurate. Because we are made in the image of God. God doesn't run around saying, you are bad. He made you in his image. That is a big, big deal. It's probably better for us to say that our hearts are inclined toward evil. In fact, if you look through scripture, that's often what says we're bent towards doing what is bad. You see, here's the thing. If we just say humans are bad, they're broken, they're flawed, and we keep saying it over and over again, we're going counter to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 of being god's masterpiece being made in the image of god in fact we even miss a word like you say well what about this children of wrath paul says you were children of wrath if we're not careful we'll associate what we do with our identity and who you are before god is someone that's made in the image of god and he has created you for good works so hopefully you can see that slight difference because then that wraps us up in what the church is all about. What's the church about? Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, we are about equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We're about giving people the energy to do good works. Because we're imitating and modeling what, our, what we've learned from our God. That we are not having just a minister as the only one doing good. But all of us are involved in good, walking this good path, not associating ourselves with bad, with evil, but associating ourselves with good. All right, so so far we've talked about we're made as God's masterpiece, God's good work, saved by what he has done for us. And he invites us into this life of living in good works, created in advance for us. And our purpose is about following Jesus. Our purpose is looking around and seeing whether or not we've chosen a different path, whether or not we've been captivated by desires or focused in on ourselves, or spending all of our energy focused on fulfillment of those desires. Which brings me to maybe a a path of spirituality where we're just kind of stuck in the so-sos, well, that's just the way we are, hum hum of spirituality. Okay, so back to insects. As we think about paths and walking, insects have amazing biological technology. I already told you a little bit about ants who lay out their pheromone path. It's a path of pointing people in the right trail, right? They lay down that pheromone trail and it creates a big path to go towards the food. Well, think about slugs because they're not going to think about themselves. They don't have any power to think. Slug's ability to make sense of life is nothing more than the slime. Did you know this? That little string of slime, that helps them know which way to go. This way, not this way. It's very binary. That's all they can process. This way, nope, not that way. That's all they've got. And in this path, you can interrupt some of those paths and erase some of the slime and really confuse bugs. That's what an exterminator is doing with ants, to mess with that pheromone and to change the paths where they go in a different path. Now, there's a thing called a vicious loop and a virtuous loop. Because whenever you're finding that path to food and going back and forth, that's that's a virtuous loop. But there are many people that sit around watching insects and and they've seen some things. Like one insect scientist in particular watched a group of ants in a forest go for 46 hours in the same loop, around and around and around, because they're just following the way they're built, following that pheromone path. And we might think, well, that's only insects, right? Not us. My uncle Bruce has preached in Carson City, Nevada, forever. Long, long time. And I got to go visit with him and meet with preach- preachers uh, several years ago. And he, he took me out when we had some time together and showed me a part of Carson City that Mark Twain visited. Mark Twain was there and uh, ended up being there in a real huge blizzard. But he, he had a good tour guide, a good confident person. So they're in this white out blizzard, and the tour guide says, Hey, don't worry. I have an innate sense of direction, I have an internal compass. I don't need a compass. And sure enough, as they go through this white-out blizzard, they're making their way just fine. And they even come upon a trail of other people. And so they begin traveling. And then they notice that the footprints doubled. And they think this is great. There are more people traveling this path. And then it tripled the hoof prints and the footprints. And then they realized what? They're on their own trail. They are in the loop of the whiteout, of the blizzard. They're following this vicious loop and vicious cycle. We want to break out of that with a different kind of purpose. To recognize in our lives when we're on these loops, when we're living this zombie existence of mentally and spiritually checked out and just living totally for ourselves. Vince Gilligan has made millions on creating episodes of breaking bad and better call Saul, of showing people making more and more and more bad decisions, spiraling their lives downward and downward into where they can't get out of all of the bad decisions that they've made. They can't break out of the loop. I want us to be able to break out of that loop. The passage that I read to you first of Jesus invites us into a journey with Jesus. In Matthew nine thirty-five. What did he do in those two verses? He walked around. He traveled around. He healed and cured diseases. He did things. He spoke the good news of the kingdom of God, that God had come to live with us. And he had compassion, deep compassion for people who were like what? Like sheep without a shepherd. People walking around in a loop, not able to get off of that path. We have to be able to understand that in our lives, there are those things that we are doing that are not getting us the results that we want. And I can just tell you, you'll probably think that I'm crazy. But if you continue to do evil, if you continue to feed your passions and desires, you will not be happy, even if you get whatever you want you will find an internal emptiness that just never will be satisfied at all. And that's because you're in the loop. You're stuck. You're not following the master that invites you to be with him, to be a friend with Jesus, to travel your life interactively conversing with Jesus, saying the things that Jesus said, teaching those things that he taught about the arrival of God's reign and God's kingdom in your life. Doing things that Jesus did, providing healing and doing good in the world, making a difference where you're at, and taking you to places that are new. They're not on that loop, that are not stuck in a cycle, but they're going somewhere. Because whenever you're with Jesus, you are going somewhere. You're headed somewhere good. And if we find ourselves feeling empty, even though we're getting everything that we want, it could be that we're on this destructive path a distracted path, an an addicted path that's leading us to develop patterns and habits that will make us who we are. Because how you and I act, what we do consistently over time makes us who we are. The way that we eat, the stimulation that we seek, the entertainment that we put before our eyes, the life that we build around ourselves makes us who we are. And here, we don't want to hear this message over and over again of being bad and being awful, being fallen and being broken, but instead hear the good news message that we were made in the image of God, and we didn't know it, but we got stuck on a loop, caught off on these trails that we think were going to give us meaning, and we have to break off of that trail to follow the way that Jesus is leading And it won't be the kind of trail where you have to look for little hints and think, oh, is Jesus there? He's with you. He's with you every step of the way. It's not so much where you've been. It's not even necessarily where you're going because you're going with him. That path has been made clear. And God's provided us the example in Jesus where we can avoid the loops that destroy us and find a good path, an ancient path. A path that is proven and true, where you will not be alone, but you will be confident in who you are before God. as God's masterpiece, one that God loves, one that God wants to live in. This is our story. Let's pray. God, we thank you for loving us. We live our lives so much in a circle, a circle of our own creation. And we thank you that there are moments in time when you kind of grab a hold of us. You bring us to a crossroads in our life of difficulty, and you, you show us that there's a choice. Father, we ask you to help us, to give us the will and the desire and the drive, to reach out to you, and to choose the life of following Jesus. This is the life we want to walk. God, we pray for First Christian, this group of people. We're not able to do this perfectly, Father, but we are fellow travelers together. And so we ask that we'll be a people that are welcoming all, that are looking to find you, and that we'll share the ways that we've got caught and stuck on loops, and that we'll together encourage one another to live in your light. Father, we thank you for the life that we enjoy, the walk that we have in Jesus. And we pray through him, by the power of the Spirit. Amen.